Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is sponsored by Evofem Biosciences, NASDAQ EVFM, a female-forward company revolutionizing women's healthcare with game-changing products that address unmet needs in women's sexual and reproductive health. Learn more at evofem.com. Today's episode, we interview the legend, Ida Tin. Ida is a Danish entrepreneur who is the co-founder and CEO of Clue. Clue is a mobile app that enables women and people with menstrual cycles to make good choices for themselves and live full lives, not in spite of their biology, but in tune with it. The app's mission is to help people all around the world benefit from insights into female health. The reason Ida is considered a legend is not only because of how successful her company is, but the fact that Ida is actually credited with coining the term femtech. In this interview, we not only discuss her app, but also how and why she called innovating in women's health and wellness femtech, and how the term has evolved and grown since 2016. I cannot think of a better way to kick off 2021. Enjoy. Hi, Ida. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brittany. Nice to be <laughs> on your show. Um, literally from the first day I started this podcast, I was like, Ida Tin has to be on it. And here you are. Here you are. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's an and, honor. <laughs> oh my God. It's, that makes me feel special because I feel like it's my honor. And your episode, you know, if listeners are listening to it right now, it's the first episode of 2021, and I could not imagine a better way to kick it off. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes. Well, let's start, Ida, with your background. So, um, you know, we love to hear the story of how people ended up in femtech. We have a lot of students listening. And so where where are you from? What did you study? Did you have a job before Clue? And, And tell us about that journey. I was born in Denmark 41 years ago um, and living in Berlin, um, been living here for nine years. So I'm an immigrant. Um, I went to business school, but a very unusual and creative business school called the Chaos Pilots, which is actually more of a social entrepreneurship school um, Mm. with a group of international people, but based out of Denmark. And um, yeah, I have actually been, I guess, an entrepreneur my whole life since I was 18. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, went, I moved to London because I wanted to go to art school. And then I literally got lost to the university and ended up um, <laughs> like physically got lost and ended up at a course doing it was called enterprise management in the creative arts. And, um, and I didn't realize, but at the first day, they asked me what my business idea was. And I was like, uh, and I just said, crystal bead jewelry. <laughs> Don't ask me what, 
And so I started a company doing crystal bead jewelry in London in 1909. And then after having done that for six months, I was like, I don't want to be in the fashion industry, but it was fun just to build a small business. Yes. So, and then I've just always done my own weird sort of projects. Um, I had a motorcycle touring agency for five years together with my dad. So we did high-end motorcycle tours around the world. Um, what? And we did that because I grew up traveling on motorcycles around the planet with my parents and my brother since I was an infant. <laughs> Ida, so this is the kind of juicy information I love having on the show. I'm not sure you've, I've, I've never read that anywhere about you. So travel the world <laughs> as an infant on motorcycle. I love it. Yeah, so there was a lot of motorcycles in my life. Um, and actually, I spent two years roaming around the U.S. in the sort of any, anywhere near a desert um, with my little satellite device and my tent because I wanted to see if I could run my business um, sort of in a very minimalistic way. So that was a lot of fun. But anyway, at some point, I realized that I wanted to um, kind of shift from motorcycles to female cycles, I guess. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I was, I, this question just sort of, were stuck in my head of why has there been so little innovation mm-hmm. in family planning methods since mm-hmm. the pill came out in, in the 50s? I mean, it's a long time ago. We put people on the moon since then. It's like a really long time ago. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, that's how Clue started. It came with this sort of impulse to try and do something in the space of family health, of, yeah, f- female health and family planning specifically. Um, yeah. And what year so was that? Little- what year was that? So that was back in um, 2009. 2009. So we're going 11 yeah. years back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I was thinking women are not going to keep wanting to take hormones every day, mm-hmm. or at least not everybody's going to want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the iPhone had just emerged and there was sensor technologies. And I was like, we have data. We could do something that was data driven in this space. Um, and my first attempt was to try and build a home diagnostics to measure hormones and saliva. Okay. But then also knew that hardware is hard and started at the same time on the digital side. And then after three or four years trying to build that, we recognized that we were um, stronger. We were not the right team to build that piece of diagnostics mm-hmm. hardware, but also strategically, it made more sense to, to sort of go the digital route. Um, yes. so that, but that's how it started. Were you, so me and, yeah. were you influenced at all because of a certain stage of your life or was it just in general? So at that point I was turning 30 mm-hmm. um, and I had been in steady relationship since I was 16 and I was getting really tired of condoms because I, like, I didn't feel well on the pill. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was definitely something that I wanted to build for myself. Mm-hmm. And people around me were like, can you build this really fast? Like, I need that <laughs> I device. need it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then also having traveled so much in my life and seen so many women's lives all over the planet, it said really deeply in me this sort of, or still, still sits really deep in me, the sense of women need to have agency over their childbearing yes. and, their, and understand what's happening in their bodies. That's how they can you know, advocate for their own health. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. And that's why we do this show, right? It was because 
Um, we try to just educate people on basic anatomy and basic, you know, biology of women's mm. bodies. Cause a lot of times no one told us, you know, and yeah. then we think we're the only ones experiencing this symptom or we're the only ones that feel like this or, you know, or what the hell is happening to my body. Right. Because we're not talking about it enough. So, oh my gosh, that is yeah. incredible. And so, so you, you start clue, you think it's going to be more hardware. I love the story of the pivot. Um, uh, if any founders are listening, pivot, 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 you know, all about that pivot early, um, you know, figure out what's actually working, um, and, and be humble about what isn't working. And so tell us the, um, you know, the journey of clue and what is clue and where you are today. Clue is a app, um, that helps women understand what's happening in relation to their menstrual and reproductive health. Mm-hmm. So it's a tracking app. You can track a bunch of things um, and then you get predictions and forecasts and analytics and a lot of educational content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also do a lot of science collaborations with great research institutions um, so that we make sure that the data that we collect also serves sort of a public good, um, of course, anonymized. Um, yeah. And we don't make money off of it, but it's something we feel is important to move research in female health forward. Absolutely. And then we do a lot of content that sits on our website as well, which really is like a um, a place to go to find information about anything related to female health that you can trust. We are very yeah. science-based. Um, we care a lot about making sure that everything we put out is really sort of triple fact-checked. I love it. I love it. And so it's a it's an app with all of this like super validated information on it. Are you helping women, is your target customer like a woman trying to get pregnant or a woman trying to not be pregnant? Hmm. So women go through this amazing life journey, right, of 40 years of having periods, more or less. Mm-hmm. And we really would love to be somebody that can take people by the hand and um, help them understand all these amazing changes and uh, things happening in our bodies. Um, so whether you are a teenager you know, starting out and just trying to figure out what is a period and what's happening to maybe trying to figure out what type of type of birth control would work well for me to how do I get pregnant if that's what I want? What happens when I am pregnant? We just launched a pregnancy feature um, all the way through menopause. And then we also help people with um, information and uh, various things around some of the common conditions like PCOS. Mm -hmm. So it's a holistic approach informing on the entire journey of menstruation. Yeah, it actually is. And then, I mean, female health is amazing, right? Because it touches upon sort of chronic disease and mental health and identity, sexuality, so many things. So we mm-hmm. we cover a lot of these themes quite broadly. And we've also done a lot of work for people with cycles that maybe not um, identify as female. Yeah. Um, so we've done a lot of content for trans people. Oh and my gosh, I love it. Just try to be very inclusive um, so that we talk to all genders. And also really, I have a big ambition to try and include men into this conversation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we are interacting with them and they're living with us and they're loving us and they're our kids, they're our fathers, right? And so... Um, I, I remember um, earlier this year, I was living in Houston, Texas, where there's a lot of oil and gas guys. 
and startups in the energy field. And I'm talking about vulvas and periods and femtech. And I had this one oil and gas like cowboy come up to me and he was like, I have a question. Do you use one tampon for the whole week? And I was like, that's a great question. Even though on the inside, I was like, oh my God, Jesus. Oh God. You know, I was like, aren't you married with kids? Like, how do you not know? But I was like, good question. Actually, no, we change it this many times a day. Da da da. Right. But there's some genuine questions that men have, you know? And uh, I know at Femtech Focus, we always try to have a voice of, you know, compassion and understanding Mm. and patience. We're not angry feminists here. Uh, We are feminists, but we're not angry. We're we're educated and informed and compassionate. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think that was a really brave man. And I I think it's so important that we sort of take this whole field out of sort of, you know, the secret women sort of corner but really make it just a natural part of life and I experienced that many men want to be really supportive and I'm really curious and then I'd also like to add a lot of the people who have the money that we need to build businesses are still men Mm -hmm. Um, the great engineers that you want to be have you know you want to have on your team they might be male so it's I, I think that until men start really caring about female health we won't see the kind of innovation and sort right. of growth that we really need in this 100 percent, 100 percent. i love it and so can you tell us about where clue is today like how many downloads do you have how much have you fundraised anything you're you're able to share i know some of that you may not be able to yeah so we are 70 people or a bit more uh, in Berlin right now they're all working from home like myself uh-huh. because of the pandemic um, but um, yeah we have raised money um, through um, various rounds from investors in the US and in Europe um, we raised a fair amount of money <laughs> um, it, you would be surprised how much it actually costs to build an app and run it um, so we have raised well over 30 million uh, dollars amazing and, amazing um and we have 12 and a half million active users every month <gasps> we don't we don't count so many downloads because it's kind of a vanity metrics it really matters who actually uses That's the app right. today right. yeah um, and then we also have several million people on our website every month Ada, do you like do you ever like just pause and be like i did it we did <laughs> it. you know do you ever feel like that does it ever set in yeah, it's so funny. I it, not as much as I maybe think would be good. Yeah. I, I I very often feel like incredibly proud of my team, and also I will. I should really say this. I built this company together with my co-founders and specifically my partner, also personal partner Hans. Uh-huh. Um, and I could never have done this alone. So whenever I feel proud, I feel so proud of the team effort. Mm-hmm. It's it's really a team effort. That and is not the just a best feeling as a founder. Mm-hmm. I know I love my femtech focus team. I always we have mm-hmm. our team meetings on Fridays, and at the end, I always kind of feel like crying because I'm like, I'm so lucky. I have these amazing people. Yeah, you know, I relate to that. I relate to that totally. Yeah. And not just that, but also sort of in a historic context, right? You know, when the pill were invented. People were, you know, you were put to jail to even educate about reproductive, uh, like about contraception. And I think I feel very grateful that I live in a time where I can do this work um, and even get funded for it um, or to do it. So, yeah, I feel very 
grateful and humble that I get to do this work. Oh my gosh. Well, Ida, I invite you to like, just give yourself a good like self hug sometimes because <laughs> you did it. And that's amazing. It's so amazing. Um, so clue, fantastic, huge success. Cannot wait to see, you know, where it goes, what happens next with it. I want to talk about, um, something that, you know, we have other fertility people on here, menstrual trackers on here, but you are a unique guest because you coined the word femtech. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> please take us back in time. When, when was it? Where were you? What was happening? How did the word femtech come out of your mouth? What mm. happened? Tell us the story. Um, so I w- had been invited to be on a panel for um, TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco in 16, I believe it was. And they were doing the first ever panel on female health. It was like early in the morning, you know, not the best time slot, but yeah. it was there, you know, it was the yeah. great first. And I was doing research to see who the other panelists were and what they were building. Uh-huh. And I looked at all these websites and uh, sites and I saw sort of language a little bit all over the place, uh-huh. but, I, but they still felt neighboring to what I was doing. And I thought, well, if I could, if I could think of a term that could make like all of us feel connected and like we were part of something greater than our individual businesses, I figured that would be really helpful to create awareness, but also to make it a little bit easier for male investors to say, yeah, I did a femtech investment versus, yeah, I did, did an investment into, you know, helping women not pee in their pants or, you know, Mm -hmm. you know know, all these things that are sort of still difficult because of our culture yeah and then I did sort of mini user research at the conference so I ran around to everybody that was building something in this field and I was like hey I'm thinking about this term like do you do you feel it resonates would you feel comfortable being sort of under this umbrella (laughs) you know just trying to understand if it had resonance and I got positive feedback and then I sort of made a I sort of introduced this term on stage and then it picked up and I, I think it's, um, I think it has been helpful to sort of help people um, come together, find each other, mm-hmm. um, create language around what we're building, um, create interest and visibility. And there are people who say that why does it have to be, you know, technology specifically for women? Why couldn't it just be technology? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a fair point but i think you know it's just it's just that that's not where the world is Mm -hmm. i mean the reality is that we are living in a world that in many ways were built around the experiences and preferences that one half of the world population has had and have Mm -hmm. and so when you want to do something that's out of that norm and specifically targeted you it's helpful to sort of describe that that's right Um, yeah what do you do you think the word femtech is still the right word i welcome any kind of innovation (laughs) language if somebody could come up with a better term like i you know or maybe we need even broader terms or more specific terms or all of it i think you know i welcome of course anybody to be creative and bring out good ideas for instance i will say when you look at the sort of um, period tracking space there's still a lot of peer trackers that really are peer trackers at what they do, but there's also a few of us that do a lot more where actually maybe that term doesn't fully cover what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but this is still what people search for in the app store. So this is still what we call ourselves. <laughs> but in reality, we probably need a term to describe what is, what is an app that helps women with reproductive health way beyond periods. Yes. If anything, it should be called a cycle tracker because cycle, it's not just yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's right. The blood is actually only one small component of the whole system happening. That's right. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, you know, you say the word femtech on stage and did you all of a sudden start to like see it in the news and stuff? Like, how did you feel like seeing other people say it? I think it, so I should also, again say my co-founder was like, we should write a Wikipedia entry on this and sort of, you know, make it sort of more of a thing. Um, And he did that. And I'm grateful for that. Um, It was very helpful. Like I I felt when I saw people using it that, oh, it fulfilled a need. Like there was a need. I I had recognized a need that was real. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was cool. Like I met, I met the woman who did the first femtech conference in Delhi in India. I met one who put one in Hong Kong. I've been part of people doing it in in Israel like this, you know, that is a global helpful term. I think has been cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our name is Femtech Focus, and we have listeners in over 55 countries, probably more by time this airs. And so, yeah, people and, you know, um, I get messages on LinkedIn all the time from listeners saying, hey, I love your show. And I always ask like a good founder, how did you hear about it? Right. I want to know what the channels are. Yeah. yeah. Um, And there's lots of different ways people hear about it. But one of the main ways is I am interested in Femtech and I like podcasts. So I just looked up the word Femtech you know, in Spotify or iTunes and you came up. So the word is like out there, you know? I think it's really, that's a wonderful story to hear because that fulfills that purpose of letting us find, find each other. Find each other, and that's I, right. We did a, what we call a Femtech Summit um, a couple of times in New York a few years back because we wanted to bring together founders in this space. And um, and that even that early little sort of thing it made us feel connected and related and um and also it's a tough journey to be a founder you need to feel that you have peers and um people that you can partner with and yeah so i i think actually i would i would inspire if i could somebody to take up the task of creating a global sort of almost like a trade union for femtech i think that would be really interesting and maybe it's already out there maybe i just don't know about it can you tell Um, me more what do you mean by trade union yeah, maybe I'm not a native English speaker. Maybe it's not the right word, but um, just somebody that can sort of um, create some sort of um, strong, unified ver- voice of femtech. Mm. Like, for instance, a lot of people have problems with their ads being blocked because it's like yeah. adult content, like these kind of things. Like, if we had like a shared way of bringing up some of these issues. Yeah. we might have a better chance of clearing them so but you could also imagine sort of do we need any kind of standards i mean there are many industries where standards are really helpful it helps us collaborate or i don't know <laughs> I mean, uh, we should totally get a drink sometime because i'm totally right there with you because we've been thinking at femtech focus about doing like um femtech certified you know, if you meet certain qualifications, like you can get certified, like, you know, like fair trade certified, right? Yeah, but you yeah exactly. Certified, you know? I love um, that. I, I actually, I've, I've had a chance to talk to various people in the EU system and, and offer this idea of what if we did sort of a 
good privacy practice certification type thing. Yeah. And especially in health and especially in female health where we process super sensitive data. And it has been and is a problem, I think, in our industry that not everybody adhere to my personal opinions about what is high standards for data privacy. Right. And, um, and maybe just creating visibility and transparency. And then people can, of course, choose to do whatever, but then users will know you know, what they choose to, to do with their data. Yep. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Femtech certification. And then also like a Femtech Alliance of like the, there's not many of us organizations purely doing Femtech stuff. There's Femtech Collective, Femtech Insider, right? But if we could get together twice a year and like, like Mm -hmm. a, like a UN meeting, you know, like we get together and we're like, here's the biggest issues, you know, and then we, we pick our top two for the year to work on, you know? Now that you say like the UN meetings, so I've um, have had some contact with some of the big sort of global players in reproductive um, health and rights. Uh-huh. And I think there is really like an opening right now where some of these big institutions are trying to figure out how do we innovate in this space mm-hmm. and how do we start doing partnerships and collaborations with femtech companies mm-hmm. and and that match is still sort of where does that happen it happens maybe in these thin little like personal connections yeah. but if they had a place to go to <gasps> to have that exchange happen I think that would be really helpful that's what yeah. I would love for femtech focus I feel like we already we already do that we make a lot of connections for people and they come back to us and they're like Brit, we now have a partnership oh wow we do this now you know we got investment and you know but to really make the whole world know like we're a hub of femtechness you know mm-hmm. and we have uh, doctors on staff PhDs investors right and so we also are able to recommend companies that are high quality, right? We're, yeah. yeah. I think there's a big need for that. I mean, also all the big pharmaceuticals and corporates who's trying to figure out this space, um, mm-hmm. you know, who do they go to to understand what are user trends, what are user needs? Um, That's right. And in, baked into that is the whole digital transformation, right? Femtech was born digital, <laughs> but yeah. a lot of the people who need to understand this are were not. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think there are many tests that that kind of, ideally in my mind pen um or international organization could help with but you know i have i i'm i welcome you (laughs) or somebody else because (laughs) like like, what i have so hard so employees please take this (laughs) maybe i love it maybe at some point but um I'm, ha- I'm happy to have a drink with you for sure. Perfect. Perfect. Well, tell me, what is your prediction for the future of femtech? Um, and that could be the word. It could be investments. It can be, you know, thing we prioritize different phases of women's life. What do you think the future is? I think there's some glaring gaps, right? No, there's, there's a few things happening, menopause, and more than there was a few years ago, but it's still very open field. Um I'm curious about what kind of technology that will emerge that can help us look into the body on a more molecular level Mm. um, and give us even stronger sort of signals uh, that we can work with from a data perspective. I also think there is an issue with um, like both for an individual to actually collect all the data sets that might be all over the place. Like you have your running app with some data, you have your you know, doctor with some, you peer checking. So bringing that together and really make data work for people. Mm-hmm. How do I utilize my data? 
mm-hmm. um, in a health context, I think is lacking. And then also the convenience of how do I, um, yeah, so how do I move that data around? And then I'm very curious about what happens when we start overlaying data set, like the data set of, reproduct- of the cycle, if we overlay that with the data on say diabetes, like how do they inform each other? Or the data set of, I don't even know. I mean, it could be, you know, shopping patterns. I, I don't know, anything yeah. you can imagine. And it's sort of a, a lens that I think you can see the world through. And I'm curious how we would rebuild the world if we had that awareness of what actually, what actually happens to pop- yeah. half of the world's population all the time. So I'm curious about that. And I think somebody's going to start exploring that too. I love that. So I'm, you know, geneticist, which includes a lot of big data. And uh, there was at one point I was really into this idea of contextualized genetics, which is what I called it, which is what if we took your genome and we overlapped it with your social media activity and like, people are like, well, what would you find out? And I'm like, that's the thing. I have no idea. Like, how could we potentially see, like, based on your genome, your, you know, shopping habits, your, the music you like, the, you know, type of attitude you normally write with, because you could do natural language processing. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's just so many data sets that if we start blending them and stop making them siloed, we could crack some riddles, probably. I mean, just a question of how many more years can I have babies? Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good one. Like, right now we're freezing our eggs, but what if we knew... And I will say in the same sentence, if we start developing some of these technologies, we need to be so strong on our ethics and we yes. need to have many more conversations about what world do we want to build and what world does take play. And quite frankly, I feel we live in a system where money is the only navigation point. It's the only navigation point for people giving money to yeah. invest. And it's a problem because that means we end up in funky places. Like if you only care about money, you will build a monster. Yeah. And so I, I'm excited about what technology can do in female health, but I'm also a bit concerned that we, that we're not maybe spending enough resources and mind sort of energy on, on the ethical side of things. Yeah. Do you think that if we get more women controlling capital, so like women investors, women GPs, that it decreases the risk at all for um, these like unethical practices? Um, I think diversity is a really good sort of safety filter because Mm -hmm. different people raise different questions, but fundamentally it needs to start with the limited partners of funds being, being okay Mm -hmm. with caring about more things than financial return. Purpose. Impact. Yeah. Like, like really taking responsibility. Like you are part of building the world. What world are you taking responsibility? Oh my gosh. And so goes down into the funds and then it goes to the partners and then it goes to the entrepreneurs and the employees and like it's it has to be the full chain um yeah Hmm. well this has been so much fun Ida I have two last questions for you that our listeners love the first one is we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen and they're always asking like, well, what still needs innovating? What should I work on? So what are areas in women's health and wellness that you think still need innovating? So it goes all the way from even just the basics understanding. I mean, globally, there are still many women who doesn't know what a period is when they experience one for the first time all the way to some of the stuff that you mentioned of like, what can we do with data that's like really advanced? Mm -hmm. Um, 
I will say, trust what your own questions are, what your own needs, what are you seeing around in your community? Because I feel, you know, somehow it's still more fancy to build an electrical scooter than to build a peer tracking app. And I wonder why that is. So anything that can move culture also important. Um, oh, I love that. You didn't just like tell us what to build. You said, ask yourself, what are your struggles and what does your community need? I love that. And trust them and be sort of take them seriously. Yes. <laughs> trust um, your own intelligence. Yeah. I think that's one of the big challenges is that you walk into that room full of males, typically white yeah. middle-aged males, and you bring something out there that's vulnerable and they will be like, it's like you have to trust that you know something that they don't know. And if they're smart enough, they know what they don't know. And that's a big shift happening right now. People are starting to realize what they don't know. Mm -hmm. But often you have to be very strong in trusting your own intelligence. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, consult a lot of founders on pitching and fundraising. And one of my biggest, you know, top 10 rules is never say I'm sorry when you're pitching. I always hear women being like, they flipped the slide wrong, or they said the number wrong. And they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you know, like, you're the expert, you know, more in that room than any of them, you know, and then I became a VC. And I did realize, oh, really, like, you don't need to hold investors up on pedestals. You know, they really, you really do know a lot more than them, especially about your topic, you know? Yeah. It's totally true. And there is a really weird power balance. And there is also weird sort of, you know, why, why is it fancy to erase a lot of money? Like, mm. you know, I, I, it's just, I mean, we just live in a world that's very oriented around money. It's right. just how it is. And of course right. we are all children of that, but just, just know what matters to you and stick to it. Okay. Oh, I love it. And also survive, you know, also be able to make payroll. <laughs> That's a challenge. <laughs> Get outside, feel the sun on your skin. You got to, you know, we're all, we're not all, uh, um, you know, mercenaries here. We're not saints sacrificing ourselves, right? It feels like it most days, but you got to remember to take care of yourself too, for sure. That's super important. Yeah. Um, our last question is, um, as of right now, the femtech industry as a whole, what do you think we need the most right now in order to be successful and move forward? Um, we need a lot of people in the beginning of the funnel to have the cards to make that first really important decision of like, yes, I am going to start and become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And then we need a lot of support at the other end of the funnel so that we can take something that's successful and put real money behind it so that we can make it huge. I love it. Absolutely. Actually, we need everything in between two. I know every single stage needs it too, but we, we, I'm really excited about how many university grad students listen to this. Cause I feel like that is the pipeline coming up, right? They're like, yeah. we're coming in. Um, but I totally agree with you. We need the M and A's, you know, mergers and acquisitions. We need that, that the sellers, because we can't get it clogged either halfway through. We got to get the exits out there too. Maybe one thing of sort of, I would say, you don't have to do this alone. That's another thing. We often think about the, the founder, you know, but this is such a team effort and find peers, be a group of people, even just one other person, like don't be alone in this. Mm -hmm. If you have a, an idea, 
get the first person excited about it and be two. That's a, that's helpful. That's right. That's right. I mean, we just said like our teams are our biggest assets, you know, that's mm -hmm. amazing. I, I, it is sometimes really hard to find the right business partner. I've had bad business partners in the past, so I know how bad it can hurt as well to have someone on your team that you're just like, why, why have I done this to myself? Um, mm -hmm. But when you find the right business partners and the right team, it makes all the difference. It's incredible. Well, Ida, you are amazing. I am so glad we're kicking off 2021 with Ida Tin, uh, you know, the woman who came up with the word femtech. Who knows where the word will go? Who knows if it'll stick forever? But all I know is that we needed a word that brought us together. We needed a word that people could search in Spotify to find the show, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we're here. So thank you so much for all the contributions you've made to the industry. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to my interview with Ida Tin, co-founder and CEO of Clue and the inventor of the term Femtech. This was such a special interview considering the podcast name is due in part because of Ida and her realization that in order for there to be real recognition, real respect, excitement, funding, all of these things for women's health and wellness, we needed a name. Thank you, Ida, for being a pioneer and laying the groundwork for other leaders in femtech to build upon. Already Fem fans, in 2021, we are hosting our podcast listening parties on Monday evenings. So that means tonight, January 4th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, we are listening to this episode with Ida Tin, and we're watching the recorded interview along with it. You'll be able to ask questions and interact with fellow Fem fans during the show. Next Monday, the 11th, we're listening to my interview with the CEO of Evofem Biosciences, Sandra Pelletier. Next week, also on Wednesday, the 13th, I am hosting a fundraising workshop on how much should you be fundraising and from whom. You can register for all these events through our website, femtechfocus.org. While you're there, you can subscribe to our newsletter and join our virtual community. If you join our virtual community, you actually get access to additional benefits, such as office hours with me. I've met with dozens of y'all, and I love it. It's been so much fun. All right, until next time, keep innovating, because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.